0: From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. From 2023, GP training will be handed back to the GP colleges from the government. It will come with some changes, including the defunding of regional training organisations. And it's also been met with questions about what college-led training will be like for all the experienced GP supervisors and practice managers who are working under the current system. And that's something that we explored in our last episode of The Tea Room. This episode, we're joined by RACGP President, Dr. Karen Price, to talk about the plan for college-led training and the wider goal to ensure the sustainability of general practice into the future. Dr. Karen Price, thank you for coming on the program. A pleasure again, Francine. So if we look at training and the take back of training by the colleges, for the RACGP, what preparations are being made to internalise training once again?
1: Well, isn't this exciting um, to have the training back at the college again after so many years? I think it's going to be a really positive step forward. We have prepared um, over the last little bit a vision for um, general practice education and training, the so-called profession-led community-based training model which is up on our website for everyone to have a look at and this was informed by um, our long-standing association with education of course with all of the um, experts within the college on best practice available research and evidence and uh, broadly consulting with the sector. So it's been a, a, a big piece of work um, and we've got that there so it's, it's particularly focusing on the local communities because that's where Um, the keys and, you know, the key relationship between supervisor and registrar, um, that's one that we've really built some supports around. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about the fact that we'll have that collegiate kind of space uh, again back in the college.
0: And at the moment, there's been so much speculation about where everyone will stand uh, in the future and particularly around the future of the regional training organisations, at least as they are at the moment what's your understanding or the ROCGP's understanding of their future or will they cease to exist as we know them at the moment?
1: Look, that's a really hard question. Um, we don't really fully know the answer because they're all individual companies and so they've got to make their boards, have got to make their decisions and so forth. We do know that the Department of Health have informed the RTOs that their contract for delivery of the AGPT training won't continue beyond 2022. And that's a decision that the federal government made as we keep emphasising. So we were originally wanting to subcontract the existing RTOs um, as we announced, and we announced that in 2017. But in October of last year, um, the Department of Health notified us that they had rethought GP training, and we weren't any longer com- permitted to subcontract the current RTOs in their current form. And the reason given was that there were workforce imperatives and ne- a need to achieve efficiencies in the sector, as, as according to the Department of Health. Although we we have always stood by our um, our uh, line that the RTOs have done a good job. So it's, it's gonna be a, a bit tricky to see where this lands, um, but we're excited because from what I've seen, Francine and everybody listening, everybody is really focused on doing the right thing by the next generation of general practice uh, uh, trainees. We know how important this is and we keep focusing on that part and um, I'm hoping that the rest will follow because that's a really key part for everybody once we get the aim of course right. Um, Of course there's some juggling and some challenging bits, Um, it's always a bit painful when change is underway but uh, I'm really hopeful that because everybody I've met is focused on delivering a really excellent outcome. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we'll get there.
0: And as you've just pointed out, these are some really difficult discussions and there's so many stakeholders in this as well. The chairs of WA Supervisor, Registrar and Practice Manager Advisory Councils sent a letter claiming that they were being left out of the conversation and they didn't really know what was happening when it came to reimagining what training will look like from 2023. What's kind of the ROCGP's response to that?
1: Great empathy. Um, We really can't speak for the government or the Department of Health Um, and we know that the RTOs have done a good job and, um, you know, these are people, these are colleagues, these are people who are members of the college so there's been some constraints about what we've been allowed to say but now that we've got our vision released we're actually able to socialise more and so it's been really a timing issue more than anything And because there was a a sort of a change in direction, which was initiated by the department, the college also had to pivot very quickly and uh, deliver a a new model. So whilst that was underway, we were a bit constrained, but uh, now that we've got our model out for discussion, Um, and consultation we are very happy to open up and have conversations with people about what this means and it really is going to be a co-design process because the people like WAGPET they're experts in their area they're experts in their communities Um, this is not something that's going to be imposed upon them this is going to be something that we work with them to deliver for the current and existing registrars and the future registrars for Australian general practice.
0: And I imagine that if, in the event that RTOs don't continue in the same capacity or they're dissolved in some way, there needs to be an amount of goodwill to ensure a good handover of corporate knowledge, or is there some plan of, of how that will be done if it needs to? Be?
1: Well, we have to have really honest conversations. Um, you know, there's no doubt that there's hurt and pain and confusion um, in the sector, um, and that's really the norm when there's a big change underway and not only is that change underway but we're also going through some massive challenges with COVID, we're going through some massive challenges with general practice funding so you know it's a really challenging time and I recognise my colleagues burnout across the Australian landscape um, and very empathic towards that pain and suffering but you know it comes from building goodwill, from recognising where we're at um, it's not from um, a position of authority, but it's a position of collegiality that we will deliver what we need for Australian general practice training. And I, um, in, in all of the difficult conversations we've had, we always land on that part, Francine, that we are all committed to doing the best thing by the communities and the best thing by the people, because there is no doubt that this is people management. It is about the people who deliver this already. It's about the supervisors in their practices. It's about the registrars getting a great Uh, a great training experience. And it's also about the Australian community being able to access healthcare.
0: When you look at at all of these things that need to happen, is the college looking to hire a lot more people around the country or will it try and hire current RTO staff or is there any vision at the moment of how it will be done when the well, college Well, we're certainly going to need to recruit additional staff. There's absolutely no doubt to make our
1: national, regional and local teams work as part of that model. Um, and just exactly how that will uh, proceed is, is going to be um, still uh, worked through. The, the recruitment process will follow the RACGP's human resources policies and um, enterprise bargaining agreements, which are current at the moment. But it, but it will be a fair and transparent process. There won't be any sort of you know um, any kind of weird and subtle deals made. It'll be it'll be about making sure we deliver a really fantastic program for the future of Australian general practice.
0: And within all this, there is that bigger goal, and that is to make general practice a more attractive specialty, if not. We would hope the most attractive specialty for medical graduates and people that want to leave the hospital system. What will you uh, how will you aim to make GP a more attractive specialty, not just for the bush but generally through this transition?
1: Well, from the research, um we know that medical students are making their career choices in second year of uh, medical school, um, and that's really before they've done any pre-vocational placements. We know that they get exposed to hospital medicine and hospital doctors way ahead of general practice. We need to raise our profile in medical schools across the country, engaging with them and promoting general practice as a career choice. Um, And the other thing we need to do, this can't be done in parallel. This must be done with a revitalisation of the general practice sector, which we believe is a responsibility in part with the Department of Health. We know that 16% of general practice Uh, of uh, uh, young doctors are choosing general practice we need to make that 50% and that has to be in parallel with increased investment into general practice as a specialty it has to be recognized for what it does in terms of avoidable hospital admissions and so forth it's really important to make sure this is a complete um, you know turnaround in general practice because what's happened over the last 10 years has been very disheartening for a lot of people so You know, it's it's a challenging and big, bold aim, but um, I'm here to push it through.
0: And it could be a separate thing, but there's been a lot of discussion around the way that GPs in training are paid, specifically discussion around introducing salaries for GPs in training and looking at some of the other models of employment, like the Murrumbidgee employment model. Yep. How does this intersect with the colleges taking back training or are they separate things?
1: It's a very complex discussion. I mean, I I always say that, you know, back in 2000, uh, registrars actually took a pay rise when they entered general practice training. So that's why I mentioned in a previous question, you can't separate out the funding fortunes of general practice um, from this discussion. So the whole idea of having salaries, I think, needs to be carefully worked through because there'll always be unintended consequences. Whoever pays gets a say. So we we have to really think this through. One of the issues has always been, um, I think, believe it, this call for um, entitlements and so forth began with maternity leave needs that young um, uh, people needed when they uh, left hospital training. And it has to be looked at carefully as industrial reform across across Australia really in terms of having um, nationally funded parental leave Um, because without that really far-sighted visionary reform of our industrial workplace these things are going to be band-aids across what is really a need to recognize that our demographics have changed the way that we work has changed people want to have a more flexible model and so we need to not we need to be careful of not sacrificing flexibility um, for what might be seen as short-term security. So this is a really big discussion we're having with GPRA and so forth, and it's a really important discussion. And. Also recognising that there's personal choice in there, Francine. So there might be different people who'd want different things. And so this has to be a flexible model. It has to be a rewarding model and has to recognise that often when trainees are going through their training, you know, I think the average age of MCCC um, registrars is about 34. This is often a time when they're beginning their families and having children and so forth. Not for everyone, but there's a, a big need there to make this transition from hospital to general practice, a rewarding one.
0: And what's the contingency planning around making sure that there's minimal disruption to the cohorts that are going through or starting in 2022, 2023?
1: Well, first of all, I'd like to ask you what you mean by disruption because even now there are, are, are challenges, even before this even was on the table, there's always challenges with so many people entering training at such a complex time of their life. So, so there's a lot of change management to go on we really ensure that keeping our community stable because that's where a lot of this learning is occurring it's a, an apprenticeship model in, in many ways we need to keep that community really stable and well informed and we're beginning to do that and socialize that with a lot a lot more broadly in the community so that they can see that we are very committed to the community-based part of this professional-led training
0: yeah i guess the Part of disruption could be that if someone is in the hospital system now or in medical school and they're not quite sure what training, what the take back training will look like yet, they may be hesitant to commit to GP training when it's, say, year one um, in, its, in its new form under the colleges. Um, is that we're very, We're very mindful of the next few cohorts and
1: making sure that we have as smooth a transition and, and no disruption to those in training and those entering training um, as much as possible. I would say to those doctors in hospital training, there is going to be a general practice revitalisation and there's going to be disruption in all the other sectors as well, because the workforce issues and so forth are being looked at for all specialties of medicine. So this one, this is, general practice is just the first cab off the rank. So there is going to be um, a change because we've got mal distribution and the health system needs to run more efficiently. So there is a big picture vision going on for the whole of the health sector. It's not just general practice. So we are here though with a wraparound model to look after our registrars. We're here with an established network, with established communities who've been doing a great job and we're looking to keep them stable as much as possible. And the college has done this before. It's a really, really exciting time. And I would say, look, you know, you're highly adaptable people. I've got a a daughter going through uh, a hospital system at the moment. These people have been through a lot they're highly adaptable. Um, general practice offers a great career. You don't have to narrow down. You can hone your career into whatever way you like. And we are going to look after you and, and help you enjoy your career and design a, a, a training program that really fits your idea of where you wanna be in Australia or, or the sort of things that you wanna do. So I think it's an exciting time. And you know, there are always gonna be challenges, but the way the challenges are worked out are a local adaptive intelligence. That's how it works, making sure you talk to the right people who can help you through that particular time. And the college has got that within its model um, to help everybody, both supervisors and registrars and medical educators, and all of the people who are involved in delivering great general practice training. Dr.
0: Karen Price, thank you. A pleasure. Before we go, don't forget that you can follow or subscribe to The Tea Room right now by searching for the show on the podcast player of your choice. You'll then be notified when a new episode becomes available. Catch you next time.